listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to The Art of Love. My name is Lucia. I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert, and I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships, take your live calls, answer your emails, and speak to authors of books which I find interesting. And today is going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be very eye-opening for women and maybe a few men, but it's a great show for everybody. So let me bring my guest who's in Montreal, Canada on the air. Luckily, I can speak French, but I don't have to because he speaks English. <laughs> okay, so welcome to the show, Frank. Hello. It's great to be here on The Art of Love. Yes. So this is Frank B. Kermit. The book is The Eye of the Seductress a workbook for women to learn about the emotional needs of men. The uh, website is franktalks.com. And Frank is a relationship expert who teaches men and women how to address each other's emotional needs in order to build ongoing loving relationships. He's the author of numerous books and audio products, produces and hosts an internet radio show, runs an online relationship advice forum, and also runs... Frank Talks, Frank Advice Columns in Magazines and Websites. So um, how did you come to write this book? Well, it all started with the idea that I had been focusing so much on teaching men to address the emotional needs of women. And when people kept asking me, what about the emotional needs of men? I didn't have an answer for them right away. I ended up in a coffee shop in Toronto with a very good friend of mine, and he kept pressing me, come on, Frank, what are the emotional needs of men? Now, as a man, I know them instinctually. I feel them. When my emotional needs are being violated, I know, but I wasn't able to articulate it. Mm -hmm. So I went to the model that I had developed on the emotional needs of women. And then I figured, okay, what would be the counterpart for a man? How would it be different? How would it be similar? And that's how I came up with the emotional needs of men. The idea is that if you truly want to seduce a man, you want to get a man's commitment. It's pretty easy to get a man's sex. All you have to do is offer it to him, and (laughs) if he's a a hot-blooded male and you're decently attractive, you'll get sex. Women don't struggle just to get sex. They struggle to get commitment, and that's what this book is designed to help them do. Yeah, because I have to tell you, when I first saw the subtitle about, you know, the emotional needs of men, I sarcastically thought to myself, what? Men have emotional needs? (laughs) And a lot of guys feel that way, too. They don't see themselves as emotional beings. But all of the decisions that they make when it comes to relationships are emotionally motivated. We just don't articulate them as men. And that's what I set out to do with this book, to give men the language so that they could communicate exactly what it would take for a woman to earn that man's commitment. 
Yeah, because, you know, I found it very eye-opening, and I think it's going to uh, take women's understanding of men to a new uh, a new level because society teaches women, oh, you know, just be sexy and you'll get the guy, and all he wants is sex, but then they don't understand what went wrong when they'd given the sex, but they didn't get the guy. Exactly, because men and women are different. The act of sex for a woman is a means to address all of her emotional needs in the most efficient way possible. That's why when a woman has sex with a guy, she's more likely to start developing romantic feelings for him. For men, it's different. The act of sex for men is an emotional need. And if that's all you're giving him, it's not going to be enough to make him commit to you, but he's more than ready to keep having sex with you. Right. It's almost like the, the food group, like you're only giving him one of the food groups? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he's, he's kind of starved in the other areas. You know, we talk a lot about being a touch-starved society for people who are afraid to reach out and make physical contact. I think there's a lot of men out there who are emotionally starved. And they don't know that that's a bad thing because as men, we're taught not to be emotional. And that transfers to not to have emotions at all, which is just unhealthy. Right. Okay, so let's get to these 10 needs, and I love the way you fact the, you have the fact the um, you have the chart at the back of the book that you said to cut out and carry with you. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, look look at this and go, okay, i got to make sure if I, like, what am I supposed to do with the list? <laughs> I love it, though. When, when you're starting out, uh -huh. the reason that chart is at the back of the book, when you're starting out, you're learning a new way of thinking. So let's say you're going out on a date, and you're in conversation. Well, through your conversations, through your actions, you'll know that you have addressed certain emotional needs. Let's say it's a two or three hour date. At about halfway through, you'll check the chart and say, okay, well, I know I've addressed these seven needs. I didn't address the other three. And then you might go into a story or lead the conversation to something where you can talk about how those three emotional needs are things that you can do and you can address. Ah, okay. So when you go to the restroom to touch up your nose, powder your nose, bring the list and check it. Mm -hmm. I did this with guys where they had a little laminated card with all 10 emotional needs of women on it so that every now and then they would look at the card and say, you know what, um, I haven't told her, I haven't asked her about her childhood memories. Uh, I didn't address cater to the little girl in her. So they would have an idea of where to take the conversation so they could figure out what kind of a woman she was. Wonderful. Okay, good. I'm going to cut this out and carry it too. All right, so let's just quickly go through the list. Uh, number one is protection of have his reputation as desirable. What does that mean? Okay, as a man, we know you're going to complain about us. Women like to talk. They like to uh, try to improve on. They like to express themselves. Some guys will take that as criticisms, and that could lead the relationship into a bad way. What's important for us, since we know you're going to complain anyway, when you talk to your girlfriends, when you talk to other people, don't complain about the areas where we are truly weak and vulnerable. Complain about the things that, even though they get on your nerves, mm. would still make us seem attractive. There's a big difference between a woman saying, Oh, that Frank, he makes me so mad. He's so headstrong all the time. Because being headstrong can still be an attractive trait, right. depending on the context. Yeah. But going around and saying, Oh, that Frank, he's always just crying all the time because he's so str struggling with his career. Well, there's no way for that to be an attractive trait. Right. Okay. Next one, recharge time. Okay. Men need their quiet time. So much is going on inside the heads of men. We don't express it in the same way that women do. We internalize everything. 
And the only way that we're going to make sense of the world is we need our quiet time to go out and do something fun that keeps us... Sometimes we go into our workshops, sometimes we have to go out and have a beer. We need something so that we can process everything that's been happening to us lately. A man who doesn't get his quiet time is going to be a lot more agitated, a lot more uh, irritable, and he's not going to be in the headspace to connect with anybody. When your man says, I just need to go out, he's not trying to get away from you. He's trying to sort out his own head, and he needs his quiet time, his relaxed time to do it. Right, so when a guy says he needs a night out with the boys, you need to just let him go. Exactly. He's not saying, honey, I'm trying to get away from you. He's saying, I need my night out with the boys so I can reformulate everything going on in my head and calm down. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to connect with you again. And if he is going out every now and then, part of that reason is that he does want to connect with you. He just needs to find the energy to do it. Right. Okay. Number three, can you mind the store? This is so important. And a lot of women don't realize this. I bet every single woman right now listening has lost a guy because of this emotional need. Can you mind the store? Every man, every now and then, becomes incapacitated. He becomes ill. He ends up in a space where he's not going to be at his best. Can he rely on her to take care of things while he's incapacitated? Now, at the most serious, we're looking at a man who, let's say, um, has gotten injured, can't speak for himself at that moment. Is she, does she have what it takes to pick up the phone and call 911, or is she going to get into a panic? Is she going to be unable to even call for help? Does she get squeamish at the sight of blood and is unable to tend to him when he really needs it the most? Sometimes it's an issue of a guy may just say, you know, I, I really just, I, something's really been bugging me and I really want to talk about it. If the woman that he's with says, you know, I really don't want to hear it right now. Let's go and do something fun. He already knows, ha, I was vulnerable. I needed, some, I needed someone to mind the store because right now I can't be the dominant one. I can't be the one leading the relationship, and you weren't there for me. Okay, we'll have sex, but <laughs> don't expect anything with right. me in terms of a future. Right. Okay. This next one sounds a bit scary to women, but I'm sure you'll explain it. She must, mm-hmm. she must show compliance to his dominance. Now, there's a reason I use the word dominance. Yeah, it's scary. Because when I, yeah, well, <laughs> it is very scary. But for men, dominance means something different. Don't forget that the type of men that I'm used to helping out are guys who are they're the type of guys who will say, well, what do you want to do? They won't take any sense of leadership. They won't even suggest things. They're trying to make a woman happy by giving her everything she wants and not thinking in terms of, hmm, why don't I just relieve her of the burden of mothering me? If I use the word leadership, a lot of guys start uh, treating their relationship like a business transaction, Mm. like being a boss at work. Well, no woman wants to be treated like an employee in a relationship. By using the word dominance, I'm reinforcing for the guy that, no, you have to step up and relieve her of the burden of mothering you. You don't have to constantly ask her to do things for you. Sometimes saying, honey, I'm taking you out to dinner tonight, and then surprising her with where you're going to take her is a lot more meaningful to a woman than constantly going and saying to her, well, I don't know, what do you want to do tonight? Where do you want to go? You make all the decisions. Right. True. Okay, I understand. The next one is nurture of his social, personal environment. Okay, now this is so important that some men will marry a woman 
and, and this is one of the biggest reasons. Mm-hmm. Figuring out what he wants to do with his life, where he wants to live, who he wants to socialize with, can he find a woman who can support that lifestyle? For some men, they have careers which are not standard nine-to-five jobs. Maybe he travels a lot during his career. Maybe his career requires him to um, you know, uh, socialize with people that have certain expectations. Can she handle that environment? Can she handle those pressures? There's a, I think there's a couple of TV shows right now about uh, the wives of professional athletes mm-hmm. and, and the politics involved in that. That's an example. Can she nurture his social, personal environment? If he wants to have a family, can she be the type of woman who also can support that kind of family? If he is a starving artist, can she be the type who will support his creative endeavors, understanding that financially they may struggle, maybe she has to help bring in some money? Once a man finds a woman who can support his lifestyle, his future, she has a very good chance of becoming his wife, even if she's missing out on some of the other emotional needs. Okay, and just to clarify, when you say support his lifestyle, you're not talking financially. No, no, I'm talking emotionally, I'm talking personally. Can she be there? Can she handle it? Sometimes it may not even be, um, for example, if we take the, the man who is traveling for a living, he has to know that his home base is going to be taken care of, that the bills are going to get paid when they come in, even if it's his money, that it's going to get taken care of. If he's not around to check in on his kids when they're coming home from school, that she may be there to do that. Figure out what kind of a lifestyle he wants, and then see, as a woman, if you can support that lifestyle, not necessarily financially, but in all areas, emotionally and mentally as well. Okay. The next one is be the secret keeper. I can't tell you how many times women have failed this test even when I've tested them with it. And I'll start off with, tell me one of the nastiest little secrets about one of your friends. If she tells me, I know that I can't trust her with my secrets. Well, that also means then I can't trust her with my bank account, I can't trust her with my future, and I certainly won't trust her with my heart. So I'll just have sex with her if I like her enough, but that's about it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Number seven is put us, the couple, first. One of the things that I teach women is to beware their friends. Long term, women's friends, as great as the support they are, can also influence them to turn on their own families. This is why put us the couple first is so important for a man. He wants to know that if he makes that kind of emotional investment in her, that it's going to be reciprocated, and she's not going to turn around and say, well, you know, my friend said this, and I don't think our relationship is good. Well, the the two people who need to decide whether or not the relationship is satisfying are the two people in the relationship by their own standards, not by any outside forces. Right. Okay, next one is sex. Give him the sex he wants. Now, for sex, depending on the man, this could be so important, it can make up to 25% of the reason he will choose a woman to marry. Wow. Now, remember I was telling you earlier that sex is different for men and women. The act of sex for women addresses her emotional needs, all of them, at at one instance. For a man, sex is an emotional need. Men can only have oxytocin released in their brains through two methods, long embraces and sex. We don't get that wonderful chemical going on our brain in any other way. That's why sex for a man is an emotional need. We have an emotional response to sex. 
We don't necessarily get attached to who we're having sex with. It's an emotional response within us. And if your man has a particular sexual fetish, make sure that you satisfy it, because if you don't, since it's an emotional need for men, he'll likely go elsewhere to get it. But will he marry someone who doesn't satisfy that fetish? And maybe, and I mean, when will he marry someone who doesn't satisfy the fetish? Um, well, if I base it strictly on my clientele, what usually happens is that the woman will address the number of emotional needs. She won't fully satisfy what he needs sexually. So he might still marry her. He might still have a relationship with her, but he won't be sexually faithful with her. That's what I was going to ask, actually. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> That's what I figured. Um, okay. Uh, number nine is penis identity, his own self-image of a man. Okay, now here's where it gets a little tricky, because this is very subjective. Every man has a different opinion as to what it means to be a man. And she needs to show an understanding of what being a man is for him. So we'll, we'll take two examples here. One guy defines being a man as making a lot of money. If he makes a lot of money, then he's a real man. Another man will define himself as a man spends time with his kids instead of more hours at the office. Both of them are right, because they both have an individual definition of what it means to be a man. Mm -hmm. The woman must, when she's entering into a relationship, find out what he believes being a man is, and whether or not he can live up to that. And she has to respect him for it. So the woman who, let's say, uh, wants her husband to be home more often to spend time with the kids, if she's with the man who defines his masculinity by going out and making more money, they're going to have problems in that relationship. Because he's not going to just take it as a criticism, oh, you're not, making, uh, you're not spending enough time at home. He'll take it as a direct insult, an attack on his masculinity, because he defines himself as a, as a guy is the, is the one who makes the money. And would the woman find out what his, how he sees himself as a man by looking at what his priority is? Well, she would look at what his priority is, but mostly she has to look at what his actions are. What are his actions? Where does he put his time? Sometimes, uh, for men, you can actually ask a guy, what does it mean to be a man for you? He may not have ever thought about it, but he might say, well, uh, a man is responsible for such and such role in the relationship. This is getting harder and harder for men to even define as the gender roles are changing in North America. So if you can find a guy who has a pretty good idea of what it means to be a man for him, hold him to his own standards. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then finally, number 10 is femininity as defined by attraction, appreciation, courteous. Okay. Now, this could be such a huge one. And if you look at most advertising geared towards males, males are constantly taken advantage of because of their love for femininity. Here's where, again, it gets tricky. It's very subjective. One man might define femininity in terms of a woman who is very, very um, proper and uh, buttoned up and isn't showing too much skin. Another man might define femininity as a woman who lets it all hang out, who um, embraces her sexual orientation and puts it out there and dresses provocatively. Both of them are right because it's a subjective nature of what turns him on as femininity. So that's where we get attraction and arousal. For appreciation, men want to feel that they're useful. One of the challenges that women have in this day and age is that they don't really need men. 
They don't. They can they can provide for themselves. They can go to school. They can get a career going. Mm-hmm. They can start their own businesses. So they don't really need men to provide. Mm-hmm. They still need men as an emotional support. They still need men as an emotional contribution in their lives. Our generation of men now feels very lost right. because the old traditional gender roles that were in place of well, he's the breadwinner. He comes in and do this. There was something to appreciate him for. Now that women can do that themselves, how does a man feel appreciated? And it's important for a woman in a relationship, especially if she wants the man's commitment, to really show appreciation for everything he contributes to that relationship, not just financially, as, that is, as the case may be, but for the emotional support that he offers in the relationship. Okay. So do you think that... Um everyone has like one primary emotional need and if that's not met no matter how many other needs are met they won't be interested or as long as that is met they're willing to let go of some of the other needs there is a sense of priority in anybody's emotional needs criterion any anybody's emotional needs makeup mm-hmm. it's usually based on their life experience and where they are in their lives so younger people might want more drama more fun and uh, they may not be focusing on things such as fear of abandonment. As people get older, things like fear of abandonment, trust and honesty, they have more to risk, they have more to lose. It really depends where a person is in their life. If you can figure out what are the primary emotional needs of that person, and yes, for some people, one emotional need may override everything else. So let's say you're dealing with a couple that has been married for a number of years, they have kids they start getting into some problems because some of their emotional needs are being violated. Why do they stay in that relationship? Because their primary emotional needs may still be getting addressed, even if some of their more minor ones are being violated. It's only when the majority of your important emotional needs get violated that you know the relationship is going to end. Okay, so that, would that explain why, um, you know, I have this girlfriend and um, the, her relationship with the guy she was dating ended probably like 10 months ago, and yet she just somehow cannot let go, and yet he's, in many ways, she keeps saying, no, he's not the guy I want, you know, he doesn't have enough money, he doesn't have a steady job, he barely has a place to live, and yet I cannot get him out of my mind. Is that because he was satisfying her primary emotional need? Okay, well, the fact that they're not together right now suggests that her primary emotional need may not have been met. However, he might have addressed a number of her secondary and tertiary emotional needs, which is why she's still thinking about them. Mm. She needs to figure out what was so important to her that she let this guy go. Once she figures that out, that's when she can go through the process of figuring out, is that emotional need really something that should be important? Does she need to reprogram her emotional needs? Does she need to do some emotional need deconstruction? Or was she right to leave him and, and find someone else? Okay, yeah, because a lot of times people stay stuck on guys or, or women from the past, and I guess it's because uh, they, were, they were getting a certain need met that they can't get on their own or from other people. Exactly. Now, there is another emotional need called El Destructo. <laughs> I call it El Destructo because people destroy themselves with this. Wow. It's one of the most dysfunctional emotional needs that both men and women have, and this is it. It's the emotional need of assuming that a specific person is able to address all of their emotional needs. Why is it El Destructo? 
because that's usually based on a fantasy image they have of the person, not necessarily what the person can actually do. Mm. Now, this happened to me with my ex-fiance. We were together for about three years on and off. She ended up with my best friend, of all things. Wow. Horrible situation. But after seven years, I was still hooked on her. And it wasn't until I went through the process of learning and developing my emotional needs theories that I got her back, and that's when I realized, wow, I wasn't in love with this woman. I was in love with this fantasy image I had of this woman. Now here she is in front of me in reality, and she doesn't measure up to what I thought. I had El Destructo. And it wasn't until I came to the conclusion that the fantasy of a person is always going to be better than the real thing. And nobody, and I mean nobody, can ever live up to a fantasy. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's why, like with me, when something is over, it's over. Because, you know, once it's over, then I go through the, um, you know, grieving process, whatever. And I, I take them down from their pedestal. And once they're down, I can't put them back up. One of the things that I would suggest to, to somebody struggling with this is to get into the habit of not putting a person up on a pedestal to begin with if you can't handle the emotional backlash after a breakup. Because usually you put somebody up on a pedestal because you see something absolutely wonderful about them. Those things may still, in fact, exist. But just because you have feelings for somebody doesn't mean you should sacrifice your own well-being and, and, and sacrifice your own values to be with that person. Right. Um, now, you said the more dysfunctional the man, the more important the quality of sex is in terms of his desire to commit. So why is that? Okay. Sex at that point for a man is in a form of escape. Mm. If he's truly emotionally damaged, let's say he's a, a, you know, maybe he's an abuse victim, a neglected child, or he has some type of demon in his past that he still hasn't dealt with. Because of the oxytocins that are released in the man's brain, sex can become a form of escapism. The more dysfunctional he is in life, the more he needs to escape. And if he finds a woman that gives him great sex, even if the relationship is lousy, the great sex becomes his means of escapism. And that's why it becomes even more important to him to have a woman who's giving him great sex in order for him to commit. Unfortunately, those relationships don't last long term because either at some point he heals his demons, he gets rid of it, or his need for escapism completely takes over and what she's willing to offer him might not be something she's even comfortable with. Okay, got it. Okay, and what about you said the only man that will fall in love with a woman as a direct result of having sex with them is a man that has adopted the emotional needs of a woman. Okay, because men and women have different emotional needs, the act of sex is great to address the emotional needs of a woman in the most effective way. When a guy falls in love because of the sex, it means that he may have some of the emotional needs of women that long-term will turn him very unattractive to a woman. So that the guy who's great and wonderful right now, in about five years from now, she's wondering, why did I ever hook up with this guy? What has he turned into? He hasn't turned into anything. He was always like this. She didn't see it for what it was. Ah, so then it's a good, because women always think, oh, I'll have sex with him and then he'll fall in love. So actually it's a good thing when a guy doesn't fall in love just because of the sex. No, because the fact is, 
if he's only falling in love because of the sex, that means that the next woman who can seduce him during, let's say, the you're involved in a relationship with a man, and uh, you're going through a rough patch, as all relationships do. Some other woman seduces him. She figures she wants him. She'll have sex with him. If he's seduced by the sex, he will abandon her eventually. Mm. Right. So we want men who are not going to fall in love just because the sex is great. Exactly. You want a man to commit to you because of all the things that you can offer him, because of the things that the behaviors you commit that he has an appreciation and a need for. That's the man use commitment you want. Right. Um, do you think a player is a high-value male? I think a player is very desired by women, but I don't think necessarily that a player is a high-value male. I define a high-value male as a man who can address the emotional needs of women. Mm. What's the one emotional need of a woman that a player, time and time again, will violate? And that is her fear of abandonment. Right. Part of his being a player is that he's not sticking around. So if they want to have some fun, they want to have a good time, hey, let's go away for the weekend, spend it all week, you know, spend it in a motel room, great, fantastic, lots of fun. But the same things that make him a great player are not necessarily going to be the, the same things that make him a great life partner. So would I define him as a high-value male? No, only because in my definition, a high-value male can address all the emotional needs of the woman that he wants to be with. And if he's violating fear of abandonment, there's always going to be that one thing. When, uh, when I counsel guys, some of the guys I counsel, are, are, you know, they can go out to a club, they can pick up, they can get laid. But whenever they meet a girl that they say, wow, I want to make her my girlfriend, I, I think I could build a future with her, she doesn't take him seriously. And she can't because he's such a player. So he'll try to do player-like things with the girl that he figures, this will get her more into me, and it turns her off completely. He's lost. He doesn't understand why. And this is the reason. And is it possible to turn a player around? It is possible to turn a player around, provided that, one, he's got some healthy emotional needs to begin with. He doesn't use sex as a form of escapism. Then maybe you can turn that player around. It really comes down to the fact of, can this woman make the guy feel so respected that he develops a bonding trust with her? Let's not confuse bonding trust with trust. The fact is, most women out there are trustworthy. Most women out there, you can trust them to be a relatively good person, relatively honest, they don't steal, they, they don't commit acts of violence. But that's not what's necessary to get a commitment. To get a commitment, there has to be a bonding trust relative to what the guy's most important emotional needs are. And as long as a woman addresses the emotional needs for that guy, and he's capable of well, well, I'm assuming we're talking here about monogamy when we talk about a commitment. Mm -hmm. Assuming he's capable of monogamy and his emotional needs are being addressed for that, then yes, that is, that is, it is possible to turn him around, except that I don't see it as turning the guy around. I see it as appealing to what he needs on an emotional level and having him respond to it. Ah, okay. Now, what about, you know, Women, especially beautiful women, they often hear that, you know, guys are intimidated by them. They don't want to come up to them. And so they get, um, you know, they don't have as many guys hitting on them, et cetera, as you would think, because a lot of guys are intimidated. So what, what's going on with those guys? Are, are they low-value males? Do they have low self-esteem? I would say they are. Yeah. Let's, let's assume that the guy wants to be with a girl who's very attractive, but he doesn't have it inside him to even approach her to even go after her. Well, yeah, that's a low-value guy because he's not the type to go after what he wants. 
he'll just take what he can get. And I agree with you. There's a lot of very beautiful women out there that are some of the most lonely women on the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. My heart goes out to these women because they do have a lot to offer. But I think they're using the wrong bait. Mm. Because the only guys that they're going to get to approach them when they go out of their way to make themselves extra attractive, some of these women are naturally beautiful. And they don't need the extra touch-ups. The only guys they're going to attract are the guys who will come around and say, hey, I like myself a lot and I just want to have sex. This is great. For these women, I would say don't focus on being uh, making themselves look even more attractive because you're using the wrong bait. You'll be just turning on a lot of guys, but the guys who you might want to build a relationship with are the guys who are going to respond to some of the behaviors. Focus on those behaviors and learning to communicate those. Are you saying... For, are, are you seeing the behaviors that address his emotional needs? Exactly. Let's, get, let's take a specific example here, okay? Mm-hmm. Really pretty girl is sitting in the park. She notices that there's a guy noticing her, and she has made extra efforts that day to put out some feelers so that she can get at least a lot of glances, a lot of attention. She sees that the guy is not approaching her. Now, she can rationalize and say, okay, that's a low-value man, so I'm glad that he's not approaching me at all. Except that She's being so rarely approached now that she's ending up alone. And the only guys approaching her are the real creeps that she didn't want to be with anyway. Mm -hmm. Change the bait. Maybe they don't put so much attention into your appearance. Maybe instead of getting everybody to look at you, because at that point she's seeking more attention, maybe at that point dress down a little bit. Look at the guy who is shy that she would like to approach smile. Let him know that he's not going to get blown off. Mm. A lot of these guys who are really shy with women, and I know because I used to be with them, all they're remembering is all the times they actually approached a girl were a little socially awkward and got massively rejected. Mm-hmm. One of my own experiences in high school, very first high school dance, there was a girl in class that I got along with very well. We were friends. We always laughed and joked. High school dance. I went up and asked her to dance. She said no. She said it for her own reasons. Maybe she was shy. Maybe there was something wrong. But she said no. At that point, an entire circle of guys came up to me saying, Oh, my God, Frank, you're the only guy here who asked a girl to dance. You got turned down. I can't believe it. And then they just crowded in on me. Part of the excitement was just I had the, you know, the cojones to go out there and actually ask a girl to dance. But I remembered that rejection so severely. Mm. So when a guy doesn't approach you, it isn't because you're not pretty enough. And it may be because you're too pretty and you're intimidating. It's because he doesn't want to go through rejection either. So look at him. Make eye contact. Smile. Nod your head. Hello. Now, if he still doesn't approach you after that, then you know he's a low-quality man. If he approaches you after that, okay, he was shy. Well, you know what? Shy guys are actually kind of decent. Find out what other emotional needs he can address. Maybe he just needs the nod, and then once you're dating, he'll actually take the leadership in the relationship, and you don't have to mother him. Right. Okay, great. And what about, um, okay, the opposite. What about guys who are, like, <laughs> approaching, that are approach women that are out of their league? Because, you know, I mean, you know, attractive women, when guys approach them and they're out of their league, they're like, why are you even talking to me? I know a lot of guys who have gotten that line, why are you talking to me? (laughs) And I got to tell you, in in my philosophy, um, 
nobody's out of anybody's league because it's not about what a person looks like. It's about the emotional needs that can be addressed. Yes. So you, this is why sometimes you will see a very beautiful-looking mm-hmm. woman mm-hmm. with a guy who will just, you're trying to figure out, okay, that guy must be rich because yes. there's no way that he could actually get out there and do this. The reason they're together is because they each address each other's more important emotional needs. Yes. I've had this happen to me, actually. I was at a conference. I met one of the girls at this conference, very young, attractive-looking woman, and we just ended up spending the day together. Now, I am a big, heavy guy. This is an absolutely young, petite, beautiful woman. And I remember walking down the streets of Montreal so many years ago doing this. The faces on the couples who saw us yes. thought for sure, they, and, I, and I even like, you could just see the disbelief of, why are they together? Uh-huh. And being on the receiving end of that, I, it's not necessarily a pleasant feeling. But you figure, well, I'm enjoying myself, so the heck with them. Nobody is out of your league if they can address your emotional needs. If you go into the alternative communities, let's say BDSM and fetish lifestyles, there might be things that one person needs that the other can perfectly address in terms of what type of sex they may need, what type of sexual orientation they need fulfilled. And it'll have nothing to do with the way they look. It has to do with what behaviors they can do to address one another's emotional needs. For the woman who says, why are you even talking to me? You're out of my league. My guess for her is that her emotional needs might be, let's say, high-quality sperm and high drama. Well, long-term, that's not going to land her in an emotionally healthy situation. I've dated a lot of older women who were like this in their youth. And they were never at a truly emotionally healthy place. Mm, which segues into my cougar question. <laughs> um, so I get, maybe you've already explained it in, ans- in answering this previous question, because a lot of people think, what? How can these young guys be attracted to these older women? So then would you say it's because the older women, one of the main reasons is the emotional needs? In my philosophy, it's all emotional needs. Mm -hmm. Why would a young guy in his early 20s date a woman 30 years his senior? It almost seems like, oh, this is an impossibility. They can never have kids, so it can't be a real relationship. There's this stigma attached to it. They're together for the same reason that two young people are together, that two old people are together, that people with blended, blended families get together. They're together because their emotional needs are being addressed in the process of that relationship. So it's not an age thing. It's about whether or not the emotional needs are being addressed. Good. Now I'll have some fodder for my interviews because people are always like, what? We don't understand. Because everyone thinks it's just about sex. Well, they assume it's just about sex because there's that stigma attached. An older man dating a younger woman doesn't necessarily have the stigma because there's always the potential for them to have children. You know, men don't have that biological clock. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, women have this unfair stigma put on them because they get older, they're bio, they have a biological clock, they may still want to have a romantic relationship with a younger man. The issue is always, well, that guy is at some point going to want kids, he's going to eventually dump her, so therefore this relationship can't be about love, it's got to be about sex. Right. They never factor in that, well... Maybe that guy's not interested in having his own kids. Maybe he's perfectly content with adopting if it comes to that. They never even consider that maybe it's the guy who's unable to have kids. Right. 
Okay, so these these are the realities that we're talking about. You can't ever worry about what somebody else says or thinks about who you choose as your life partner. Because 10 years from now, they're likely going to be out of your life. Maybe they'll be dead. Maybe they'll be in another country. And a few centuries from now, they'll be on another planet. Right. But they will not have to deal with the choices and consequences of your actions today. That's the only person that you have to answer to. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you said that, because unfortunately a lot of women um, are, are like ashamed and embarrassed, and they try to keep it hidden that they're dating much younger men. Okay, I have two things to say to that. Number one, a woman has to calibrate to her environment. If the shame and embarrassment that comes from her dating a younger man is going to negatively impact her ability to survive, and I'm going to use a ridiculous example, but just so it makes my point. Mm-hmm. She's, renting an, uh, she's renting a small room in an apartment building, that, and it's all she can afford. In that apartment building, you have people who go out of their way to make life unpleasant for anybody that they deem to be, uh, you know, not with the norm. If she starts uh, advertising that, yeah, well, I date younger men and I'm okay with it, they may see her as a threat. They may see her as someone to not necessarily physically attack, but but to go out of their way to harass and make her life absolutely miserable that she would eventually have to move out of that building. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a situation like that, yeah, you have to calibrate and keep it secret. The same way that a young couple, maybe in their early 20s, whose families don't get along, or maybe uh, one, set of, one side of the family wants the young person to focus on school, and they need to keep their relationship secret. It's not based, it's not based on age. Secrecy sometimes is just for the good of the relationship because of the outside environment. So that's the first thing I'm going to say. The second thing I'm going to say is that if you're not in that situation where outside forces have any power to influence you, then to those women out there who are dating younger guys, don't feel embarrassed about it. Don't try to hide it, but be as be matter of fact about it. You don't have to flaunt it either. Mm-hmm. Be matter of fact about it. Yes, I'm dating a guy. Yes, he's 30 years younger than me. You have to understand that if you're not okay with it, no one around you is going to be okay with it because they sense that you're doing something that you don't agree with. But if you come across as, yes, as a matter of fact, this is my situation and I'm okay with it, they will follow your emotional stance on your current situation. There's no way you're ever going to be able to build a relationship with anybody if you yourself feel guilty for having it. Wow. You're but if you... Go ahead. You're brilliant. <laughs> I know. I have been working at this a long time. And when it comes to dating older women, I've dated women 30 years my senior. Okay. So, so I'm I'm not at all saved by these ideas. Right. You've been there, done that. Well, thank you. Exactly. Um, now, let's move on. We just have a, a little bit of time left here, unfortunately. Um, the rules, you said that the rules was a book that taught women how to attract low-value males that happen to be good providers? Mm-hmm. Okay, let me be very specific here. A lot of the things that some regular relationship advice uh, promote is the idea that you want to look a certain way because you want a guy who's only going to like you because of how attractive you are. You want to make sure that you find a man who has a lot of money and who can support you. Well, if your only vices, I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? In that book, they even say things like, a girl has to be standoffish. If the guy calls her up for a date, she has to initially say, well, no, I'm actually busy that night. Let's go out on another night. 
a low-value guy is going to figure, okay, I don't have any other options, <laughs> so I'll wait. And if she's not available this weekend, I'll stay home and wait for her, and next weekend I'll call her again. It's the low-value guy that doesn't have options. A high-value guy is going to say, that's okay, you're not available this weekend, not a problem. I'm going to go out this weekend and see if I can meet somebody who does want to spend time with me. Mm-hmm. A high-value guy has options. Low-value men take what they can get. Now, if you have a low-value guy, maybe somebody who really doesn't have a sense of what he's worth, what he uh, maybe has a low self-esteem, he'll just be happy to get anything. But these are the same guys that once they got their wife, once they got their house, once they have what looks like a stable life, these are the guys that the adult entertainment industry are making so much money on because they never went out and got it for themselves. Ah, okay, interesting. Um, you also said that a man that find, um, a woman that finds a man desirable should be careful not to send mixed messages. Why is that? A woman, sorry, could you repeat the question, please? Yeah. Uh, a woman that finds a man desirable should be careful not to send mixed messages. In mixed messages, meaning if she really finds him desirable, I often find that women get so conscious, uh, self-conscious about the idea that, oh, no, I can't let him know that I like him. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, they try to be aloof, and they try to, and they try to, uh-huh. they try to, oh, well, I mean, I like you, but not that much. Right. I, I got news for you. The low-value man, the one who says, Okay, you don't like me now, but maybe you'll like me later. So I'll stick around and tolerate you making me feel rejected. That's the low-value guy. That's the guy I used to be. You ask out a girl in college, she says no. You try to ask her out three weeks later because you figure maybe she's changed her mind. That's not a high-value man. The high-value man says, well, hey, you were giving me, on the one hand, you were telling me that, you know, you gave me the sign you were into me, and now you're kind of blowing me off. I don't need this in my life. I've got other options. I would rather lose you and take my chances and meet three new women next week because I'm a social guy and have one girl there say, wow, I really like you. Let's talk some more. You want us to go out for coffee later? Mm-hmm. That's the woman who's going to get my commitment and you know, hopefully sex too. But that's, she has a shot of getting the commitment later. Right, right. <laughs> okay. Um, and also, you said the most dangerous emotional need of men is their need for femininity. It is their most dangerous need. It's so subjective. But but a guy would end up losing all of his money when a woman acts feminine with him. He can be taken advantage of and manipulated. Like I said earlier, almost all of the advertising aimed at men tries to exploit his love of femininity. Mm-hmm. And a man is so susceptible to this. It's um, Okay, there was once something here that happened in Montreal. There were billboards. Uh, I think it was advertising either women's lingerie or, or some form of music or something. And the overall image was a pair of breasts in a black lace bra. Mm-hmm. And they were placing this particular, these particular billboards in strategic places. It was causing accidents mm. because a guy sees that billboard, says, oh, look, cleavage. He ends up staring at that, not looking at the road, <laughs> causing accidents. There, uh, right after that, there was a small protest by women who were going around putting stickers on all these billboards, and it said, stop looking at women's breasts. Well, if I could, I would, but I'm a guy. Yeah. 
And that's what I like. Uh-huh. Let me be clear. That's what I respond to. Right. It's not a conscious thing. You know, if I see a pair of breasts just hanging out there, I'm going to stare. Hey, they're breasts. Then I, oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I better concentrate on the road again. It's not what I like. It's what I respond to. That is the power of femininity on the male. Mm-hmm. But it, now, let's look at uh, guys who I call emotional cookie men. Okay. These are guys who are in love with a particular girl, and the girl is very nice to them, makes them feel appreciated, and she gets him to wash her car, pay for her bus pass every month, but she will never date him. Mm-hmm. Why would a guy tolerate that kind of disrespect? She takes his bus pass, uh, takes money to buy a bus pass. She says, oh, I really need some help. Can you do me a favor? Oh, you're so sweet. You're so wonderful. She's very pretty. She shows him appreciation, and she's acting very courteous and nice. But she's not giving him anything else. She's not addressing any of his other emotional needs. He'll allow himself to become a sucker mm-hmm. if his emotional need of femininity is his most important one. Yeah, that's what we call a doormat. Bingo. <laughs> And how attractive is a doormat? <laughs> how many women out there are saying, me, me, I want to marry the doormat, me? Yeah, it's like, not many. Yeah, if we're not interested, we'll use you, but we won't <laughs> have sex with you. Exactly. See, this is how men and women are different. If a guy likes you, he'll have sex with you. He won't commit with you. If a woman likes you, she'll get you to do favors for him, but she won't give you sex, and she won't even consider you for long term. See, it's the total opposite. No wonder there's so many issues between men and women. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, you know, this is part of the reason that everything that I've learned over the past 10 years going on this journey of mine, I've put it into books, I've written it out, I've been putting it onto CDs. I want to make sure that when my time on this planet is over, I've left enough of a legacy that I can teach people how to love and a lot of this confusion will at least be minimized to some of the more basic ideas of people addressing each other's emotional needs. And I'm happy to say that I think we've um, unconfused a lot of people today. I hope so. That's my life's work. Exactly. That's what we're here for, damn it. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show. It was very enlightening. Um, of course, the book is The Eye of the Seductress, a workbook to learn about the emotional needs of men, and it's available at franktalks.com. And thank you so much uh, for being on, and I want to have you back on, and then we'll talk about the emotional needs of women next time. Lucia, I look forward to it. Count on it. I will be back. You'll be back. Okay. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. Well, that was very interesting. i got to go home and take notes. Especially the cougar part. He was so eloquent. He might steal my job. Damn it. Okay. So thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'd like to remind you that my website is theartoflove.net, and you can sign up for my free weekly newsletter there. My book is at lessonsoflove.net, and you can read an excerpt there. And in the meantime, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio.